I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. This Easter is like no other Easter in our lifetime. Normally today, we would be gathering out at Johnson's Beach for our annual sunrise service. Our church has actually hosted that now for close to 40 years. Easter's a time for outdoor activities, family get-togethers, but today it's different. It's unique because of what's going on in our world. It reminds me of how peculiar, unique, strange the first Easter must have been. Can you imagine what it would have been like for those who saw Jesus die on the cross, be buried in a tomb, to actually see him again after the resurrection? Today's the day that Christians all over the world remember not only the death and burial of Christ, but praise God, three days later, he rose from the grave. And you know, this is what makes Christianity so unique to all of the other religions of the world. Only Christianity has a Savior who lived on this earth, died, but he came back to life. If you start reading in your Bible in Genesis chapter 1 in the Old Testament and read all 39 books, you will not find the name Jesus recorded there. But friends, that doesn't mean he isn't there. On this unique Easter, I felt the Lord leading me to a messianic psalm. Now, a messianic text is one that gives a picture of Christ, though not directly naming him. It's a prophetic text in the Old Testament that would point to the future, to the coming of the Messiah, and what he would experience and do while here on earth. That's the 16th Psalm. It's an Easter Psalm written by David, which I believe is an absolutely perfect Psalm for this unique Easter. Let me read it for you. Psalm 16, protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you're my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. You will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. 
you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. This is the word of the Lord. I started out a minute ago talking about the things that we don't have today on a normal Easter Sunday. So I want to look at this text with you for just a minute, and I want to focus in on what David says about what he has. What does he have? What do you have today? First of all, David says in verse number one, I've got trouble. He pleads with the Lord. He cries out to the Lord in prayer in the midst of his trouble. He says, God, guard me, protect me, preserve me. So he's praying. This is a prayer of David. When you have trouble, what should you do? Where should you turn? Well, I believe that we ought to pray. We don't know what kind of trouble was going on in David's life. Some say maybe he was experiencing loneliness. Some of us are going through that during these days in this time of isolation. Some say David was maybe paralyzed by fear, fear and anxiety, certainly an issue for many today. Some have said that David maybe was going through some kind of sickness in his life because of what he says in verse number 10, and I'll come back to that verse in just a minute, but some say you can kind of see a picture that maybe David was sick and he had a near-death moment because he says, God, you will not abandon me in the grave. You won't let me die. So David has trouble. What does he do when he has trouble? He prays. And I believe this. I believe that God has built that into the DNA, if you will, of every human being. Because Romans 1 does say that God has revealed himself to every man. And I think we're seeing that in this time, this unique time we're living in. Let me share with you briefly a a new study that came out last week from the Pew Research Center. And there were several categories in that study, but I want to focus in on one aspect, the prayer aspect. The study summarized that people are praying more these days. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we find ourselves in days of trouble. There's sickness. There's financial issues. There's family issues. There's employment issues. In the category of people who say that they seldom or rarely pray, 15% of them say they find themselves praying. Most interesting to me is in the category of people who say they have no religion, no religious affiliation, 24% of them say they find themselves calling out to God. A God they do not know, a God they do not have a relationship with, yet they're praying to him. Is that not fascinating? Well, David's got some trouble in his life. Maybe you can relate to that on this Easter Sunday So what does he do? Well, David said, I've got trouble, but he quickly says, I've got God. He has a relationship with God. Notice there in verse number one, he begins the psalm by talking about his God, his relationship with God. Twelve times in this psalm, David said, he is my God. It notes a personal relationship. Now, Easter morning is not the time for me to drill down and have an in-depth Bible study or to uh, give a Hebrew lesson, if you will. 
but I cannot run on into this psalm without pointing out to you that in the first two verses of this psalm, David uses three different names for his God. First of all, he refers to him as El, El, which is the name for God that means he is the strong one, he is the mighty one. He then refers to him as Lord using the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It is the name of God that was used by uh, Israel in an intimate, personal way to denote their covenantal relationship with him. So he appeals to the strong and mighty one. He appeals to the relationship covenantal name. And then he refers to him as Adonai in verse number two. Adonai is used to denote an earthly Lord. It's also used to refer to God Almighty in that he is the ruler. He's the one that's in charge. He has all authority. So what David is saying there in verse number two, he is actually saying, I'm saying to you, Lord, Jehovah Yahweh, that you are Adonai, you're the master, you're the ruler of my life. David is pointing out God's power, but also his authority in his life. Isn't it interesting when we jump over into the New Testament that over 700 times, Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior, is referred to as Lord, which means he has all authority. Jesus is the strong one who brings us salvation. He is Lord, which is equal to Adonai. He is the master of our lives. At the end of verse number one, here's what David says. David says, I have nothing good besides you. So David's got troubles, but David says it sure is good to know that I have God in my life. I have a relationship with God Almighty. That's apparently the best thing David's got going for him in the moment. Anybody feel that way right now? You feel like you've got trouble, but you know that you have your God. And when we think about that, we think about that God is the one who brings all the blessings into our lives. James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift comes to us from God. All my life I've been in church. I tell people I was born over by the piano. My mom played the piano in our church growing up. And from a kid, I can remember we would sing, and we still sing to this day, praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know what today is? You know what this unique Easter is? It's a day to say, yes, we, we've got some issues, we've got some troubles, but let's set that aside for just a minute and let's think about all the blessings. Every blessing in our life comes from God because God is good. David said in Psalm 27, 13, I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what? God brought us together this morning on this Easter morning right now to say, yes, we have trouble, but we have blessings. We have God, and God is enough. There's more blessings that David talks about here, and i got to move quickly. In verses 2 and 3, David says, I've got community. I love this. 
did you catch what he said? He said, as for the holy people who are in the land, they're the noble ones, and all my delight is in them. That's an interesting statement that David is really saying, I live with a great bunch of people. The word noble there means magnificent. They're great. These are great folks. You know, friends, God did not design us to live in isolation, to be lone rangers. God designed us to live in community, and I believe we see that in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For David, he's in a group of people, in a community, if you will, that believes in God. In verse number three, he refers to those who believe in other gods, who he very clearly says their trouble is only going to multiply. They're going the wrong direction. But for those of us who believe in God, we are together. And David is saying, when I look around in my community, my community brings me great delight. You know, it's good to have community with people that have common beliefs and common values. And I want to say how thankful I am for Misty and I and our children to be in such a great community. In our church, the Point Church, a great, strong, biblical community. You know, some call it family, some call it the church, but it's a community, a community made up of people who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who know Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm thankful for our biblical community, but I'm also thankful for the community that we live in. Uh, Pensacola is a, a great place, and even, even in our neighborhood, it's a great place to live. And we're living in a time today when we need community and we need each other. You know, the early church is a good example for us of what it meant to do life together, to pray together, to support one another, to lean on each other. And that's what David is saying there in verse uh, number three, I delight in the community. I have community. Be thankful for that as a blessing in our life. Uh, let me hasten on to verse number five. David said, I've got more blessings. He says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my cup of blessing. I am blessed to know that God holds my future. And so he circles back again to his relationship with the Lord. Uh, the cup there mentioned in that verse is a representation or symbolic of blessings. He goes on in verse number six to talk about land. He says, the boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Land to the Jewish people is so important and so valuable when it comes to the family and, and passing it down. And, and David said, I've got a good piece of land. I have a beautiful inheritance. Because of that, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord because he counsels me. He gives me perfect advice. And then he says this, when I'm stirred up and I'm anxious, when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm worried and my mind races away, God brings a calm assurance in my life. Verse 8, no matter how bad things get, God is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Now, remember, the context is that David is having some kind of trouble in his life, but he says in verse number nine, I've got joy. He feels secure. 
and he's rejoicing in the Lord. He's rejoicing and he's resting in the security that he has in Christ. Even in the midst of David's trouble, he sees all the blessings in his life. He's rich. He's rich in blessings. And friends, we need to do that today. Some of you are paralyzed because you're focused on the trouble. God is saying to you right now, focus on your blessings. Well, let me hasten on to get to the Easter part of the text in verse number 10. David says, I've got resurrection. Now, verse number 10 is an interesting verse. The question has been asked for centuries. (laughs) What in the world is David actually talking about in verse number 10? He says, God, you will not abandon me in Sheol. The word there means waste, wasteland, or translated the grave. You will not abandon me in the grave, and you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. Now, what in the world did that mean? Why did he write that? Well, you're like me. You believe the Bible's the inspired word of God, and he certainly wrote it for a reason. If you go on into verse number 11, he's saying, God, you're not going to let me down. You're not going to cast me aside. You're not going to put me in the ground and just forget about me. Verse 11 says, because in you, I have a wonderful path of life that leads to eternal pleasures. So what could David have possibly meant when he wrote this? Well, in the New Testament, there are two men that bring us some clarity about this particular text. You'll recognize the names Peter and Paul. In Acts chapter 2, Peter has been designated by the Lord after being restored into fellowship with him to stand on the southern steps of the Temple Mount and to preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Now, you got to keep in mind, when Peter stood up to preach that day, they did not have a canon of Scripture called the New Testament. He didn't say, look at this verse or that verse. There was no narrative passages for him to refer to about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So what did David refer to? Well, that's your assignment this afternoon is to read Acts chapter 2, where David refers to the Old Testament, or Peter actually refers to the Old Testament, to this passage that David wrote. And he quotes directly from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, almost word for word. And then he follows this text up by saying, "Brothers." I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he was abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Peter says, look in Psalm 16, verse number 8. David, the great patriarch, who is so revered and highly thought of, David died and he was buried. And when David wrote that, he wrote that pointing forward 
whether knowingly or unknowingly, he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter says, Psalm 16, verse number 10, is speaking of Christ, our Messiah. One more, the Apostle Paul. Paul is in Antioch, Pisidia. He's teaching in the synagogue to a crowd of Jewish people, and he reminds them of their revered feelings toward David, that great king and that great man. And he says this, and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in the Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. And then Paul says this, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was laid with his fathers and David saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Both Peter and Paul in the New Testament teach and preach that we should go back to Psalm 16 to see that David actually died. He was buried in a tomb. As a matter of fact, about four weeks ago, I stood in Jerusalem at David's tomb. Many Jewish people gather there every day, and they pray, and they read through the Torah. David is loved and revered. But friends, David's body was placed in that tomb, and his body decayed. But there was one who was placed in a tomb who did not see corruption. His body did not decay. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, came to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived almost 34 perfect years, sinless, the sinless Son of God. And then he went to the cross. He went to Golgotha. And there he died. Not because he was a sinner, but because we're sinners. He took the sin debt of the whole world on himself, on the tree, and he died. After he died, his body was prepared. His body was laid to rest. And everyone thought that he was gone. Everyone thought that there was no hope. And that despair lasted for three days until they went and visited the tomb. And lo and behold, the stone was rolled away. And in a most unique way, Jesus rose from the grave. Christ is risen. And we know from the scriptures 40 days later, after his appearances with many, many different of his followers, Christ ascended back into heaven. And today, on this Easter Sunday, 2020, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Friends, resurrection is the oxygen of our faith. You see, the scripture says that we are all born dead in our trespasses and our sins. But God, in his mercy, breathed life into us, breathed resurrection into us spiritually. The scripture says 
that if you're a child of God, if you've been born again, that you have been raised from death unto life. For every person that reaches a point where they understand the purpose of Jesus coming to us, that he had to die, that we are sinners, we've all sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Every person must acknowledge that. Acknowledge our sin. We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We must confess our sin and confess him as Lord. Lord meaning Adonai. He's the master and the ruler of our lives. He's in charge. He's in control. And it's because of our resurrected Savior today that we can take our eyes off our troubles (laughs) and we can focus on our blessings. Can you agree with me today? There's some things that we don't have, but we have way too many things for those things to weight us down because we have Jesus. We have salvation. We have Christ. And that's what this Easter is all about. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today to believe on him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like for someone to counsel with you or help you, you can uh, right now just send an email to easter at tothepoint.church. We would love to reach out to you. You can call 850-492-1545. We would be glad to discuss anything with you to help you settle this matter of your personal salvation. If you're a Christian today, I want to encourage you. Don't be bogged down by your troubles because we've got God. We've got community. We've got blessings. We've got the resurrection to celebrate on this Easter.